Hi everyone, I'm Tom Miller, editor of SolarView Magazine, and I'm the marketing director here at Baywa RE Solar Systems. This is our sixth town hall since the COVID crisis began. We're glad you could join us again, uh, or for the first time. As usual, we're going to have Boaz kick it off for us, but unfortunately he wasn't able to come on the live program today, but he did want to include a video message. So I'm going to share that with you now. Hey everybody, I'm sorry I can't be with you in person um, for the town hall this week, but I wanted to record um, just a quick uh, couple of comments. I'm really excited about our panel um, this week and about the topic. I think the PPP is one of the critical issues for um, economic recovery and um, incredibly important for the solar industry. Um, and I thought um, I would share just a little insight into what we're looking at in terms of um, in terms of the PPP. So I think I shared with you in the past that there are three leading indicators that we're super focused on in terms of tracking the economic recovery. Uh, one is consumer credit, um, credit card debt, credit scores, um, disposable income, things like that. Uh, number two is the the public health aspect um, of economic recovery, which is primarily about testing and possibly contact tracing. Uh, and number three is the health of small businesses. Um, and in the last few days, there's been quite a bit of news about what's happening with small businesses. So I made a super busy slide. Baywa is a German company. Um, and you can um, pause this uh, video when you when you watch it back if you want more of the details but um, a quick summary is uh, small businesses which make up about 50% of GDP and have an average of 28 days of cash um, need according to the head of the Atlanta Federal Reserve Bank about 500 billion dollars a month in support in order to weather the crisis so the first tranche of the PPP program was about 340 billion dollars and the second tranche is 310 billion. So that's a little behind the pace that the head of the Atlanta Federal Reserve Bank said might be needed. Um, on top of that, about 900 million um, in that first tranche went to public companies, about 250 public companies. And that's based on checking about 5,000 8K statements. Um, 116 million of that was refunded back to the federal government, uh, but that still leaves about 800 million that didn't go to small businesses, which is um, uh, theoretically where um, it was intended to go and needs to go. And then we've got a new tranche of $310 billion um, where there were some significant um, headwinds in the application process. As I understand it, the website that banks were uploading applications to crashed several times throughout the day on Monday, and it's not clear how many applications uh, made it through, whether they made it through in the right order, um, and how those are being processed. Um, we're uh, especially concerned about uh, bankruptcies throughout small the, the universe of small businesses um, because that would that would amplify the economic shock that the shutdown has because then new businesses would have to restart in their place 
um, and that means all the um, unemployed folks wouldn't immediately have a place to go back to to be employed. So that would create kind of a staggered effect in the recovery. Um, the Brookings Institute published a report earlier in April um, commenting that prior to the crisis, businesses took on a record amount of debt, about 15 and a half trillion, um, which is a 52% increase since the peak in two, in, during the 2008 uh, recession. So they're predicting a surge in business bankruptcies. Um, and in March, we already saw an uptick in chapter 11 bankruptcies up 18% compared to March 2019. Um, so we're closely following the American Bankruptcy Institute statistics for April, which should be available um, around May 7th, May 10th, something like that. Um, so you can pause this, um, look at it more carefully. I didn't comment on everything that's on this slide, but um, I'm really happy that we're talking about the PPP together <clears throat> as a solar industry, very excited for the experts that are sharing their time with us today and um, look forward to uh, watching the video. Thank you. Thank you, Boaz, for adding your thoughts as always. We'll circle back to a few of those ideas, but now I'd like to start introducing our guests. So if we could bring those guests up on the screen now, Jessica. And we have a very exciting panel today, a lot of experts from around the industry. We have Martha Amram. She's an economist, author, and the CEO of Glint AI. Martha is here as our now, uh, after a second appearance on the program, our resident economist. Uh, we're happy to have you. Um, so she's here to share her voice also as a business owner. Thanks for joining us. Um, we also have uh, Rosa Kuchicha from the lending side of things. She's the VP of Clean Energy at River City Bank. And from the accounting side, we have Gina Ramdas. She is a financial controller and CEO of SBA Loan Forgiveness, LLC. Then we have Grant Farrell. He's the president of CEO of Enable Energy and Barry Cinnamon, CEO of Cinnamon Energy Systems and host of The Energy Show. Um, Barry and Grant are here to share their experiences and perspectives on the PPP and ask questions from the solar contractor side of things. Um, our guests have added their contact information in the chat window. Most of them have. Um, so feel, feel free to ping them uh, directly or if you want to follow up after the program. So again, thank you very much, all of you, for being here. I'd like to start by framing out some of the challenges we're up against, both around applying for and receiving forgiveness for the PPP funds, but also on the broader economic challenges. And then we'll dive into what you need to know to apply for the PPP funds and how to limit your liability once you get that money. And then if we have time, we'll wrap up with a little forward-looking talk. Martha, I'd like to start with you. Following up on Boaz's video intro on bankruptcies, the Brookings Institute reports cited, uh, it states, at the very least, regulators need to assume that a bankruptcy wave is coming. Martha, with this wave of anticipated bankruptcies, should we assume that this latest tranche of money is only the second of many to come? Uh, how are you thinking about that? Um, thanks for the question and thanks for having me. Um, bankruptcies represent the end of the road. Um, that's a very tough situation for the company, its founders, and all of its creditors. So it's kind of an, a, an expensive process emotionally and financially. An economist would call it a deadweight loss because whatever residual value of the company 
is left, it gets transferred to folks outside the company in unproductive ways. So for all of those reasons, we are emotionally very fearful of bankruptcies and as economists, we watch it closely. So in addition to the bankruptcy that Boa has mentioned, chapter 11, there's chapter seven, which I think is the most likely bankruptcy indicator to watch. That's just the most peaceful dissolution of a company. And yes, we're gonna see a lot of bankruptcies. Uh, people's 28 days of average cash is running out. And yes, it's a problem and it's fearful. And having a payroll protection program in August isn't gonna help. Those bankruptcies will happen before then. So I'm sharing deep concerns with Boaz and probably everybody here on that topic. Okay. Um, Rosa, I want to bounce over to you. Uh, if we're going to be seeing multiple rounds of SBA, uh, PPP, uh, CARES, three, four, five, do you anticipate the guidance getting easier to navigate? Will it become clearer? Or do you think we should be setting expectations that this is going to continue to be confusing and possibly difficult into the future? Yeah, I, I certainly hope that the guidance will get a little bit clearer. Um, I think for, for our team um, in, in particular, uh, the, the second round was a little bit easier in terms of interpreting the guidance and fielding questions from customers, um, where the frustrations um, occurred, which was alluded to um, earlier by Boaz, is um, the SBA portal. Um, you know, it would, it would take... Um, as, as long as a couple of hours in certain cases just to get one application uploaded. And so there was a lot of um, delays that occurred in getting the applications processed. Um, and so I'd hope that in, in addition to, um, if, if we do get around three or four, which is very uncertain at this point in time, I, I'd hope that in addition to um, clear clarity on guidance, both for, for participating lenders and, and uh, PVP applicants, um, that we get some upgrades on the technology. Um, the, the demand for this program is, is um, uh, unprecedented. Um, and, and I just don't think that the SBA uh, loan portal was, was built to handle this type of demand. And so whatever can be done on, on the technical side, I think will um, provide a lot more efficiencies uh, for, for applicants and, and lenders processing the applications. Great. And I'd like to circle back to you, with you later on that technical side of things. Um, Barry, you and I chatted last week, and that's really when it really clicked that the PPP was the topic we needed to cover in the town hall. Um, really quick, how are you seeing things out there? How are you doing? Uh, and can you share your perspective on the PPP so far and why you wanted to tackle this topic right now? Well, um, so a lot of questions in there, and uh, I wish I had good answers. Um, the, um, you know, we, we've kind of, uh, been on, uh, an, ex um, an extended version of the solar coaster kind of with ups and downs, you know, we thought it was going to be okay. Then it wasn't. Then the PP was, PPP was there and it wasn't. And then we were able to get permits and then we weren't. So there's, it's really, really hard. Um, I'd say the biggest challenge is, is just planning for the business, which is something that, um, you know, you, you got to do. Um, we did apply with uh, um, our bank, Chase Bank. We've been with them for over 20 years. And um, I, I would say in retrospect that the, the bigger banks are probably less, uh, less equipped to work with smaller companies. Um, and and uh, so Chase kind of let us down. We're, we're exploring a, a PPP loan with uh, another semi-banking entity. Um, so it's, I don't know if it's appropriate to have uh, two um, applications in with two banks, but 
Um, I think it's just whoever gets through to the uh, SBA servers first is, is going to be good. Um, so that's been a real challenge. I expect that once we get the PPP confirmed, that'll give us a couple more months of runway to continue to um, run the business and grow the business. We have a nice backlog, but um, the, you know, the, that's the, the flip side of it is uh, on the financial side with the PPP will be totally 100% okay. The downside is that the local jurisdictions are, many of them are closed. And so although there's some demand for solar and storage, we can't get permits. And um, that's frustrating, even though California has basically said that solar alone and solar and storage alone are essential infrastructure, we should be able to do it. But um, the, the local building departments aren't uh, processing permits. Okay. Um, yeah, and I want to talk about that. Can you apply to multiple banks question in a moment? Gina, um, I'm sorry, Grant, I'd like to come to you. Uh, can you talk a bit about your experience of applying for the first round of funding? Yeah. Okay. We were getting a little bit of feedback, but you sound okay now. Okay now? All yeah. right. Thank you, John, for having me on, and thank you for Baywell for bringing the community back together. Yeah. Um, I think this topic is important because we're going to hear a lot in this call that the guidance on forgiveness is not yet published, that it's not confirmed. And we're business owners who are running a business daily, weekly, making decisions, assuming that we're going to get either this PPP loan or we're going to get the associated forgiveness. And I think one of the great things that Baywa has done is they brought us together as a community to share questions, to share knowledge, so that we're all benefiting from each other. Uh, and I just appreciate Baywalk for doing that. Uh, we were one of the fortunate ones. We did apply. Uh, I think our, our experience was different than Barry's. We have a regional bank who we're partnered with already. Uh, we believe strongly in the regional banking system and think that that's a great way to build a small business. Uh, I think that the big money center banks do do a great job, but they tend to be focused on a little bit different. So I thank Rosa and all the other banks who have, who have been the mechanism for our federal government doing this. Um, we did have bumps. It was hard. Mostly it was hard because the banks themselves didn't know what was going to be required. Uh, the, the last publication with the interim rule came out the night before the program opened, which created further confusion and in a different application. Uh, I think that the banks should deserve a better safe harbor from the federal government. That's one thing I think that would have strengthened it. So I agree with Rosa that IT can be improved, but IT takes a while to improve. Uh, a better safe harbor that will give the banks a little bit more comfort that they're not taking risk and as associated with this will be a great thing. Uh, and that would be great to see if anyone in the government's watching this to, to go take that back to Washington, D.C. Um, we ultimately didn't get the sizing that we believed would have been appropriate. Um, we're thankful for anything we got. It was, it was very much welcome and needed, um, but the, the sizing wasn't there. I think part of it is because a lot of banks have never looked at payroll data, have not had to have their underwriters look at payroll data. They have not looked at benefits. They don't, they, not that they are not smart and good people and genuinely were trying to do their best, but we're, we're in a very time compressed uh, environment and they were making decisions and they were trying to help as many customers as they could, which I think is the, the ultimate goal. Um, so we did receive ours. We're now in the forgiveness stage. Uh, we're, we're trying to do our best to get ahead of that forgiveness. One thing I've done for the company is we put together a budget by employee 
of what the next eight weeks are, is going to look like. We have everything split out, and Gina might talk about this, but we have each line item that goes into their budgets or into their benefits split out over that eight-week period, and then we have the other expenses uh, also included in that. We have already sent that to our bank, asking them to review it, sending them some additional documentation so that we're getting ahead of this, and if there's any way we can help them understand the forgiveness stage, we're, we're doing so. Great. Thanks for those thoughts, Grant. Um, Gina, let's bounce over to you. Uh, as our accounting expert on the panel, um, I'm going to share your first slide um, and then ask you to please nail down for us what the PPP can and cannot be used for. Um, and the do's and don'ts of the PPP loan program. And we are going to see what the do's are and what the don'ts are. The do's are at, at least 75% of the payroll cost of the loan should, should be used for payroll cost. And payroll cost is defined, is vaguely defined. I see a lot of questions showing up as, is the cost going to be, uh, is payroll covered? Uh, we don't know, it's not, they haven't told us anything about that. So what the, pay, what the, payroll, what the payroll costs are, are the gross wages of all employees not exceeding $100,000 per annum and it also includes um, all the benefits which the employer pays on behalf of the employee. And uh, the other costs are included as um, rent, utilities, um, mortgage, uh, interest on the mortgage payments. All these uh, services should be established before February 15th of 2020. If all those are there, then these loans will qualify as forgiveness. And what cannot be used is if the employee is residing outside of the US, that amount does not qualify for uh, loan forgiveness. And we also discussed that employees should be uh, compensated below 100,000. If there are employees who are above 100,000, then the company can decide if they wanted to pay them out of pocket for the difference or they can get them back into $100,000. And then again, you know, the mortgage uh, is not deductible, only the interest portion is deductible. Gina, while I have you here, we have a few questions um, about forgivable payroll expenses. It says FICA, FUTA, I'm not familiar with that, gross pay, workers comp, are those, uh, are those applicable here? No, the employer portion of the payroll cost is not applicable. And workers' compensation, nobody has said anything. So right now, it is assumed that it is not included. And I also heard that the insurance agencies, the workers' compensation insurance agencies are going and talking to their um, general and trying to find out if they can give a break to the companies on that. Okay, that's great. Thank you very much for that overview. Um, and I want to come back to, you know, what you need to do once you actually get the funds. But for now, we just covered, you know, what the funds can be used for. Um, so, Rosa, do you have a comment? Oh, yep. Go ahead, Grant. I just think it might help guide the conversation and the, the, the community. Yeah. While the SBA gives guidance, ultimately each bank you go to will interpret that guidance. So anything you hear t today might be people's what they think is going to happen, but ultimately your bank is. So be careful. Just be, be careful and, and make sure you're coordinating with your bank on how they're interpreting this. Rosa, why don't we pop over to you? 
Yeah, what's yeah, your... no, that's excellent. Th thank you, Grant. I, I agree with that. And, and I should add also that, you know, uh, the discussion here is, is, you know, my own personal um, interpretation of, of the, the guidance as is. And, and as I think everybody that's listening has, has already gathered is that there's a lot of uncertainty. What we've been um, sharing with our customers when we get the, uh, the question about forgiveness is, we don't know exactly what we are going to be required to um, uh, receive from from our from our PPP loan uh, borrowers um, at this time, but we do know what the CARES Act says about loan forgiveness, and there have been a couple of um, SBA uh, FAQs that have come out, and so that that's all we we've got to work with. And I think um, one of the things that has been really helpful for, for us as, uh, as, as lenders is because we're all kind of in the same boat trying to interpret um, the, the guidance that, that's provided. Um, and, and when I say that, it, you know, the lenders and the borrowers are all becoming uh, uh, overnight experts on, on PPP programs. Um, and so it's really helpful for uh, lenders when uh, borrowers like Grant do their own research and have their own interpretation and own understanding hopefully those interpretations align with with the bank um, and you know of course there can be some debate about certain things but as long as there's logic and reason um, I think uh, that that's a, a, a good conversation and dialogue to have between lender and borrower um, and so in terms of the application process and, and again with the forgiveness process as much education um, that you can get uh, with publicly available information prior to having discussions with your lender is very much appreciated. Um, lenders that are participating in the PPP program have been working crazy hours. Um, our, our team has been working around the clock, weekends, long hours, just to try to get as many applications through the portal and process as many applications through as possible. It's very much appreciated when we get applications in and all the payroll data uh, is, is highlighted or marked um, to show us where did you get the information to calculate um, the, the PPP loan amount. And that saved probably hours um, in terms of processing. Uh, and then you've got some customers that are just frantic and we, we have to hold their hand a little bit to teach them, you know, what, what uh, available resources are out there. And, and that's okay. We're, we're here to help. It just makes the process a lot easier when we have um, borrowers that are very well informed. Right. Along those lines, um, Martha, I want to bounce over to you. We, we've got a question about how many banks, you know, you can apply for. And I, I, I believe you discovered something about that related to that subject. Can you share that? Uh, sure. So I'm one of those people that um, has been very frustrated with their own bank. I, we applied for a PPP loan and the process was entirely uh, via email and hand scribbled documents um, at their direction. So I was like, oh my God, I'll never get into the front of the line. I need to find another bank. I was approached by Fundera and they explicitly state that uh, multiple applications will not harm you. And I know that others on this call have said, maybe it will, maybe it won't. So that's my source, Fundera. And through them, we are now completed on five different applications. Okay. I still don't have a PPP loan. So <laughs> it's my data point of one. <laughs> okay. Rosa, is that a thumbs up from you? Yeah, go ahead. You're muted, by the way. You're still muted. Oh, 
There you go. You hear me now? Okay, yep. we've helped a lot of customers um, that are in your situation and our guidance is the PPP process is really kind of twofold. It's you submit your application to the lender, the lender verifies the application and has to get approval on that internally. Once that step is completed, which is where a lot of the log, um, the blockage in, in the queues is happening because there's just not enough staff available, um, hours in the day available to, to, to look at all those applications and verify the payroll data. And as Grant mentioned earlier, bankers are not payroll experts. And so it's been, you know, frustrating too, because not all payroll um, reports are, are created equal. Um, so that's part one. Part two is actually submitting it to the SBA portal. And once you are submitted to the SBA portal and you receive uh, an SBA registration number, that's pretty much it um, in terms of being allocated the funds. The rest is procedure. Um, and so what we've been telling people who are in that same situation that are, you know, have applications in. I've got one customer that had an application in April 3rd with one of the large banks and still didn't receive anything and, and, and we're in round two. Uh, and, and we were able to help them because we were able to get through the, the application process quicker um, and could upload to the SBA portal. And so it, what, we, what we ask for is, do you have any information of if your if your application has been quote unquote approved internally and and or is there any chance that it'll get uploaded to the SBA portal and there'll be duplicate loans? Um, and I believe that if if you have an application that's been registered with the SBA and someone else tries to upload it, that it'll get blocked. Um, and so I, I do think the risk there is is, is minimal. Um, but we do ask that once we, we we provide you with approval and can confirm that it's been uploaded to the SBA that you pull your other application if, if that's possible. In some cases it's not possible because you can't reach a human. <laughs> so it's, it's we'll, we'll see if there's any repercussion with that, but um, I, I'd hope that that's not the case. Great, thank you. Um, Barry, anything to add to that? Did you wanna jump in or should I move on? Um, I, there's nothing I can add because we're still waiting. We applied with two banks and uh, it's, you know, I've, I've got my bed in with those two banks. Hopefully one will come through. Okay. Gina, I'd like to pop back to you and we're going to walk through your second slide. So we'll, we'll focus on the forgiveness portion now. Um, and I'm going to share my screen again. So can you walk us through this slide? Yes. So this is the process for PPP loan forgiveness process. So far, what we know, and we are talk, going to talk about the documentation. Uh, so the PPP loan forgiveness program is for eight weeks. The documentation which we require is for eight week period. And the eight week period starts the day the, the small business received the funding. And it can be at the middle of the week, it can be at the end of the week, but it starts then. And then I see a question asking about the payroll. How do we calculate payroll if the funding starts in the middle of the week? We will talk about that. And uh, the payroll reports are required for eight week period. And they also require Q1s of last year, just to check the other calculation, which is the wage analysis. So there are two things. They need to check the full-time employees and then they also wanted to check the wage analysis to make sure that nobody got salaries were not reduced below 25% for those who are making over $100,000. I mean, who are making less than $100,000, sorry about that. And then we need the expenditure reports for rental utilities 
and um, the benefits which the employer paid and it is going to be for the eight week period and then they need cancel checks and um, uh, also the proof that all these uh, expenses were established before February 15, 2020. And uh, for that, they might need a lease agreement to make sure that the lease was entered before that date of February 15, 2020. So how to run the payroll when it is uh, in the middle of the week? Um, some recommendations are to set up a new payroll code and start running the payroll based on the new code and then generate the reports. Um, and uh, on the live question, I see that is the employer taxes uh, included in the forgiveness? No, it is not included. And uh, they've clarified that it's not included. I'm not sure if there's going to be any changes. Um, I think that's about the documents which we have so far. Okay, great. Thank you, Gina. Um, we have a question, uh, and this could go to you or anyone on the call, but um, the question is, does anyone have a fairly solid forgiveness calculator that they can share? Um, our CPA has one, they say, but I have a couple of others that have variances from one another. So Gina, do you, do you have such a thing? Um, and if I, any do have, okay. I do have a calculator right now, and it is like maybe ninth version of it because it keeps changing all the time. So the point of this is like there are so many calculators out there and we don't know which one to use and which one is the latest one. And we are still waiting for some more clarifications. Okay, Martha, I'd like to bounce back to you. We have another question. Um, it, the question is, are employee costs calculated as lump sum or calculated by individual employee? An example, employee number three leaves, employee number eight joins to fill a role. In that case, is employee number eight payroll eligible for PPP and forgiveness? You know, um, I think you have better experts to answer this question, but based on my personal experiences, back to every bank is thinking about this differently. Mm -hmm. So having completed five applications, I know as an ADP payroll user, some applications wanted a very specific report out of ADP, which answers this question by saying, here's the report. And other folks wanted tax documents, which answers your question by a different document. So bank dependent. Rosa, to oh yeah, please grant. And then we'll yeah. bounce over to Rosa. Yeah, it, we've talked a couple of comments I just wanted to touch on. Um, yeah. I think we should all just, the banks are going through a lot of stress. They're in a version of economic first responders in this and are generally, I think, trying to do their best. The guidance to apply to as many as you can is good guidance and I would recommend that. I would warn people, the, the thing to be aware of that we've mentioned is do not, make sure you don't get two ETRAN numbers that's the specific number that gets assigned to your loan. The law clearly prohibits one company from getting multiple loans. As we talk about additional PPP programs, if they do come out with a third or fourth and the companies that have already got it need another, they're gonna need to amend that for us to get more. Um, I would also say on the calculators, it's hard to have that because the forgiveness part is not as, as formulaic as the sizing was, it's all gonna be custom to how your business is. Some people might have a mortgage, some people might have a lease. We might get into the 75% or greater payroll. Some companies that might be on this might have very low payroll and very large rent payments, and they could qualify to spend all of it with their rent, 
but the 75% is going to prohibit you from doing that. So it gets pretty customized as you start to think about forgiveness as business owners and as managing your business. I would also look through the lens of you need to be operating post this. So be, don't make decisions that are unique to this that don't set you up for good long-term stability in your business. Um, on the, the, the headcount, um, I think that there's a couple of lenses you need to be thinking about when you're doing headcount. For forgiveness, you have two different ways to test your headcount. It's either the headcount that was in place from February 15th to June 30th of 2019, or the headcount that was in place January through February. That average headcount is then compared to your headcount at the conclusion of the PPP program, and, and I think it's gonna be done throughout the PPP program, but that's more bank specific, and that is one lens. The other is you have to have no one employee impacted by less than 25% of their payroll. Gina just gave a comment that it's for people under $100,000. I think that strict interpretation, if you've got a higher paid employee and you reduce them by 50% and they still are over $100,000, they, your bank might, through concern of, of conservatism, might restrict that. So that there's a lot that's in this that, that's personal to or, or specific to each company. Thanks, Dom. Yeah, no problem. And anyone, feel, feel free to just jump in here. Uh, Gina, we, have a, we got a question through email. Um, this person says, we have received our PPP loan of about 50K, and they're wondering... Um, we have received it as a short-term loan payable in our accounting software. When is it forgiven? When it is forgiven, will we have to treat it as a capital gain? Yeah, congratulations on the loan. Um, the business is right by putting it on a loan payable account, but technically it is a long-term liability and it, it will be accruing interest of 1%. So how the entry should be is that the uh, they should also accrue interest, so they should debit the interest expense and credit the accrued interest payable. Once the business has compiled with all the PPP regulations and the lender has approved the loan forgiveness amount, then the entry will be debiting the payroll account, the, pay, the loan payable account which they have created, and then debit the accrued interest payable and credit other income. It is not capital gains uh, because the federal government will not count a fully or partially forgiven PPP loan as taxable income. Okay, we have another question on payroll taxes. They say, so the question is, payroll taxes are not forgivable, and why would that be? Is that an expense that only occurs when we pay our employees? The employee portion of the payroll taxes is already included, employee portion of the payroll taxes is already included in the gross wages. So that portion is forgivable. The employer portion of the tax is not forgivable. Okay, we have another question. It says, we received the PPP on April 20th. Will those funds cover <coughs> from March 15th when we stopped operations but continue to pay employees? No, it starts from the day the funding happened. That is the clarity which came out on the second revision from SBA. So they said it's going to start, uh, the eight week period starts after they receive the money. Okay. Tom, I'd add, yeah. you're also gonna have your expenses prorated. 
So if you have, let's say right now, and you've got April rent and you get the funds today, it's the days of rent today forward, same with your utility bills. So it's likely going to be just what falls within that eight week period. Thanks, Grant. And then commission, you might want to talk about commission because I expect a lot of, a lot of companies here pay commissions. And so Gina, if you've got any comments of how commissions work, because that's not a typical thing with payroll. And then Rosa, if, if you guys as a bank have thought about that and how you're going to look at that, especially for how you annualize that. And is someone over $100,000 in compensation if they happen to get a unique commission during this period? Thank you. Yes. So, so far what we know is including commissions, the cap is $100,000. And then commissions are calculated differently for different companies. Sometimes the commissions are due when the sales order got Come, got signed or when the installation happened or when the payment for the, that installation came in. So we have to take the same period, whatever we were doing before and see if commissions falls during that eight week period. And if so, it can be paid and it should not exceed the $100,000 is the guidelines which we have right now. Great. Um, there's another question about auto loans. Is auto loan interest forgivable? When we got the clarification last time, last clarification says mortgage interest and it left some other debt, but it did not list what exactly <clears throat> it has in it. So we might get more clarification on that. But if, the, if, the, if it's a sole proprietorship and if they are using their vehicle for uh, business purposes, then they said it can be an eligible expenses for a sole proprietorship. They even included gas on their um, auto uh, vehicle as an allowable expense on April 14th. Okay. Um, we had another, so I think, have we covered the workers' compensation costs? Uh, should those be included as payroll costs? No, it has not been said anywhere that it can be included as a I think you should try to include it. I think you should try to include it in your sizing and you should try to include it in your forgiveness, but know your bank is going to be the one who makes the ultimate decision. And if you clearly, as Rosa said, if you make a, a, a calm, clear, logical argument for it, supported by data, they then ultimately will make that decision. Um, there's been a lot of news, especially in the last 24 hours with some of the larger companies taking these loans that there could be a stricter interpretation of rules or potentially even a retroactive interpretation of rules. So I would encourage anyone who's received PPP funds that they should take a, a, a conservative approach and not get aggressive and make sure that you've got the documentation in hand to support what your claim is and what you're looking to do. And as you think about forgiveness and if you're putting up a budget, you received a 50,000 PPP loan, I would try and say, I'm looking to have 60,000 or something greater forgiven. So you have some cushion there to make sure that there's um, room and you get a full amount of forgiveness. Grant, um, so the, the question here, and I, I don't know if I understand this. So the question is, so it's a cruel method, not cash method. If we were in the middle of a pay period when we receive funding, do we prorate that pay period or do we count when we paid payroll? I, it's the bank who is going to make that decision. 
Um, my view and logic and what I plan to take to our bank is going to be the days because I think that's going to be the easier way for them to understand it. So we're, we're on a weekly payroll, but we have some employees that are bi-weekly and we're going to calculate if that payroll occurred on a weekly payroll, we're paying Friday, we get the loan on Wednesday. So we're going to have Thursdays and Fridays payroll in for the calculation start. This is where there's a lot of interpretation that's going to go in. I think that it's going to be bank specific. And then depending upon, I would, if I have a PPP loan, I'd be watching what the treasury is going to be doing about audit requirements. And right now they said they're going to audit anyone who's received more than 2 million. It's possible that that goes lower. So just make sure you're comfortable with this. If you don't get forgiveness, it's not a horrible thing because it turns into a 1% loan. It's a fairly low cost of capital. It's not too great of a risk. And if you have not spent the money you received, you can immediately pay it back and then you don't recur any interest expense. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of, of, of flexibility in this, even though that it was hastily put together and there are some flaws. Rosa, do you want to follow up on that? And what does immediately pay it back mean, I guess? Could, could you... Um repeat the question yeah so grant said that it's uh if you immediately pay it back the mm -hmm. you'll be forgiven that portion oh, yeah yeah so i think what grant was was uh, alluding to and, and correct me if i'm wrong is if uh you if you as a business took a ppp loan received funds you don't quite need them but there's a degree of um, economic uncertainty that you attest to on the application um, and by the way you should document that in case there is an audit that comes comes in um, if, if, if it comes, uh, to that point at, at, you know, eight weeks from when you received the loan and you haven't used any of those funds, you can give the funds back essentially and, 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 and you're, you're, you're done. That, that's our understanding. What we don't know yet and don't have clarity on is if there's any interest still due to the bank or not. Um, our hunches not um but we we don't know for certain so so just keep Folks it are very friendly places they're okay not getting interest for a while <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> so though rosa your, your point though if someone listening to this is considering getting ppp funds and does not have a use for them i would encourage you to please not take it you're seeing how scarce this is how many people on this call have even had challenges getting this this mm -hmm. needs to go to people who need it and if you're going to sit on the funds and then return it, you have reserved money that would have gone to somebody else who has a use for it. So I, I would, I don't want us on this call to leave people with the idea that that is a good idea. It no, it, it really isn't. The, the challenge with that is that a lot of businesses um, are, are very uncertain about what the future is going to hold. And uh, as a consequence, may need to lay off staff. Uh, to, to ensure that they can keep the business operational. And so whether or not they need the PPP funds is uncertain. And so they apply for it because it's available. The banks have not been given any guidance um, specifically to confirm need. Um, and so that's something the banks are only checking your payroll calculation. We do not have anything to do with actually checking the need. And I think that that comes down to an ethics and integrity um, question 
um, not necessarily a, a legal one based on the way that um, the, the, the act is, is currently written. Uh, and again, this is my personal um, take on it, not necessarily um, the bank's take on it. Um, and I have had customers um, that are of high integrity that um, have said, you know, we don't really need it. I think that there's more people that need this. And so we're not going to apply in round one. Maybe we'll consider if, if, if things change. And so I definitely appreciate that just as a human being. I think that that's the right thing to do. Um, but to be clear, banks are not um, on the hook or, or liable for checking if there is a need. Yeah, I, I would just kind of add that the optics aren't really good if you get the loan, say $100,000, and in order to avoid paying 1% interest for three months, you pay all that money back. The optics look really bad. Um, it looks like you didn't really need the money. So, you know, pay yeah. the interest for three months and, uh, you know, because who knows what's going to happen, but that's just worth it. I mean, it's just avoiding an audit is, is better than that. Yeah, for sure. The, the challenging part with that is this program was put together um, really rushed because the end goal is to get money out into the economy. This is a stimulus package. Um, and there, there's a lot of, you know, borrowers have been frustrated with banks because they can't get their application in. Banks have been frustrated with the SBA because of technical issues and lack of guidance. Uh, the SBA, I'm sure, is, is frustrated with uh, government guidance. And so there's a lot of um, uncertainty surrounding the whole program. And I think we're all just trying to do our best um, and make sure that um, the people that um, qualify for the program get the funds and, and, and get them quickly. Uh, I think that there will be a lot of discussion and we've already see, seen that in the media with public companies taking funds and, you know, uh, Shake Shack giving it back. You know, I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of that, but I, I worry on a personal note that we get lost a little bit in the dialogue there and, and, and focus on the bad uh, instead of actually uh, focusing on the good that the program is doing and that is keeping people employed. Um, we've uh, impacted over, uh, just, just with River City Bank and we're a California bank, um, we've, we calculated that the loans that we've processed to date have impacted over 25,000 uh, jobs. And that's something um, that really makes you stop and, and think um, about, uh, I think Grant said it really well, lenders right now, bankers, and even some fintech companies are uh, economic first responders. And so I, I think uh, I, I, I like to at least talk about the good in, in that. And, and of course, you know, use integrity and, and, and good judgment um, as it comes to the gray areas about the, about the um, program. Rosa, thank you. Gina, let's pop over to you for a few more tactical questions. This one's about utilities. For, what, for the 25%, what expenses are included in utilities? The uh, Pacific and gas, like the electricity, gas, um, internet services, which was established before February 15, 2020, and um, uh, those are considered as utilities and I have a list I can send it over with all the utilities which have been clarified by SBA to use and um, it, it, all these utilities and services should be established before February 15, 2020. What about something like um, software licenses for, for things that are being used regularly? It's a monthly charge. 
that is not listed yet, but we can get some clarification on that. Um, additionally, Gina, um, there's another question. It says, when you say headcount, do you mean FTE? The person asks, those are two different things to me. Uh, they are full-time employees. They are called, uh, that FTEs are full-time employees and headcount is counting the full-time employees who are working more than 30 hours per week. Okay. Gina, could, do you want to talk about 1099s? And 1099s yeah. were included in sizing, but 1099s could be included in forgiveness? Uh, we have great clarity on that. They have said that 1099s contractors do not qualify as a payroll cost. It is excluded. And the 1099 contractors can apply for their own PPP loan if they meet the requirements. There's another one about uh, if you're, uh, you're, so as a 1099 independent contractor, I am my only employee. What if there's only one employee? If there is only one employee, uh, I'm not sure if this employee was paid, if they were paid like, on the payroll, then everything applies, all the rules applies, like 75% of um, the wages should be for payroll and 25% for other costs and all those rules apply. But if the sole proprietorship did not get paid, then 75% of the loan, which they received based on their net profit would go towards any um, loss, lost profit. And the other 25% will go into other expenses. There has been some, Gina, there's been some guidance it's payroll and as well as self-employment income as maybe reported on K-1s is now applicable for this. So if you're a 1099 and you're, you're receiving a K-1, you might be able to use that for your sizing and for getting a loan. Gina, um, there's another one here, and I, we're almost at time, but I'm going to run a few minutes over because we had technical difficulties and we're not getting a huge number of attendee drop-offs. So let's just get to a few more questions um, and go down here. So the question, Gina, is I thought the original guidance said that state taxes, ETT and SUI, were included in the forgiveness calculation. Has that changed? The local and state taxes are included. Okay, great. Um, there's another question about companies who paid out payroll before they found out the PPA payment would be delayed. Uh, March 15th to 30th, people were paid on April 7th. With no knowledge of that payment, uh, would not come to 415. This seems punitive. Maybe I Unfortunately, that is what the eight week period starts after the funding was received and they haven't given any guidance on any payments which was made before the loan or after the loan was applied. First, when, when the loan, whole loan started, they said it's the eight week period starts from the day the loan was applied and then further guidance came in and then we heard that the uh, eight week period starts after the day the funding was received. Okay, great. I do want to wrap up here, um, but I'd like to ask, um, you know, Grant, Rosa, Gina, Martha, um, why don't we start with Gina? What are your quick recommendations for the takeaways for today that people should be focused on right now? Document uh, 
uh, have proper documentation for all the expenses which they are making. Some of the expenses we don't know if they will be included in the eligible cost for forgiveness or not. But if we have the documentation, we can easily plug it in. And like Grant said, you know, you can keep documentation. If, it, if, if we know clarification that it's not going to be there, then we can take it out. So documentation is the key. Okay, Rosa, what are your top line recommendations for folks right now? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to echo what Gina said with regards to documentation um, for, for those of, of you that have already received PPP funds. Um, for those of you that are thinking about applying or are waiting to, to, um, to hear bank, back from your banks, um, I, I'd go back and make sure that, they're, um, that the calculations um, and uh, the methodology is consistent with SBA guidance um, because your, your banker may finally get to your application and have a list of questions. Um, so just be prepared to show exactly where you got that uh, every single line item, because um, that is something that, that bankers do have to confirm. Um, and so th those are the, the two um, main things um, that I would recommend right now for, for people that are either receive PPP funds or, or waiting to receive them. Great. Martha, I know you need to bounce. Um, any last thoughts before you leave? And thank you for coming. Uh, thanks. So as we've been talking about the loans, we've been very much focused on the next six, eight weeks. I want to say my takeaway is uh, figure out the next four months because we don't know about open and closes in the shelter in place. And that drives our ability to sell solar in many cases. Do anything you can to survive that period because we know that the value prop is intrinsically very good for the folks on this call. It is a matter of getting through the next four months and avoiding what I called that dead weight loss. So a couple of things, call all your, your own, the bills you owe and tell them where you're at, job on them into deferred payments, do it bit by bit. It's hard work, I've had to do it, people are doing it to me, it's constantly job owning, but you can push a lot of this future off, do all of that kind of stuff, be ruthless about and hard nosed about cutting expenses and we've heard about the uncertainty of all these loans. Well, once you have cash in the bank, you can operate with expectation, but until you have cash in the bank, save your business from the inevitable waves of bankruptcy uh, being, by being really tough right now, because I think everybody on this call has a very bright future. It's just a bad patch. So be tough in the bad patch. Thank you all. Thanks, Martha, appreciate it. Grant, I'm sure you, you have some other thoughts and maybe are echoing some of Martha's sentiments as well. That was, mine was gonna be the same. Uh, make good long-term decisions because we don't know how long this is gonna be. Eight weeks will go quickly. Build your business for the long-term. Know that the PPP, if you get it, is for your employees. It's a mechanism to replace income, so use it there. Be patient, be kind, we'll all get through this. Thanks, Grant. Gary, any last words? Yeah, um, a lot of you, uh, probably the majority of the companies on here have not yet received a PPP commitment. Um, so the long-term planning is good, but boy, um, having money in the bank from the PPP short-term is, is, is the best thing you can do. I'll tell you from personal experience that um, you, you, even if you've applied with one or two banks or banking entities, um, apply to more. Um, this is going to sound really crazy. I was multitasking, but while I was on this call, we got approval from some bizarre um, entity that said, all right, here's your loan um, based out of Fort Lee, New Jersey. 
So um, don't despair. If you don't have the money yet, um, if you haven't gotten a commitment, apply to two or three uh, um, internet companies that are processing these loans. They can process it pretty quickly, but go for that money. Great, appreciate those thoughts. Uh, and we have a, uh, quite a few questions that we weren't, weren't able to get through today. Gina and I talked about setting up another session, a one-on-one -on -one session with Gina, where she's just fielding questions from the audience. So Gina and I are gonna work on setting that up and we'll let you know when that can happen. I wanna thank all of our guests today, uh, Martha Amram, CEO of Glint, um, Rosa, um, can you, can you sp sound out your last name for me again? I'm sorry. She's the VP of Clean Energy at River City Bank. Uh, Gina Ramdas, financial controller and CEO of SBA Loan Forgiveness LLC. Grant Farrell, president of CEO of Enable Energy and Barry Cinnamon, CEO of Cinnamon Energy Systems and host of the Energy Show. If you'd like to reach out to any of them, uh, I believe they added their contact in the chat window. Um, so you can check that, copy, paste it as I wrap up. Um, if you missed it at the top, Baywall Town Halls will take a pause for a week or two as we build out our next round. We want to uh, continue to offer these. So let us know the topics you want us to, to tackle. Let us know if there are specific people you want us to bring on uh, to help um, support our community in these challenging times. So that's it for us. Thank you, everybody. Be well, be safe, and see you next time.